Hey everyone, welcome back to the Playing With Power podcast, the issue-by-issue retrospective on Nintendo Power Magazine. You're tuning in for Volume 81 from February of 1996, and this is Part 2. You're picking up at the halfway mark. We're on page 55 at the Epic Center. The cover was Killer Instinct 2 for the arcade. I am your host, Ben, and with me as always is my co-host, Mike. Hey. So what do we have at the Epic Center here? This time. Oh, we got some beautiful RPG coverage. First, we talk about an online adventure that's called Metroid Blood of the Chozo, and it's a sci-fi thriller taking place on a planet far away. Samus appears as a character in the interactive experience. The plot has nothing to do with Zebes or the Mother Brain. Well, you've lost me already. So next is Anti-Yoshis. <laughs> hey, when I say you lost me, I mean it. So... It says, some things are just too good to be true. In case of Yoshi, that eternally cute and friendly dino from Mario and Yoshi's Island, there's a dark side unknown before now. In Super Mario RPG, a new character is introduced who is the antithesis of Yoshi. He's a dinosaur called Washi. Was this guy, like, first was Wario, then Washi. Washi! Washi! So. (laughs) I'm a Washi! I'm a Yoshi! He wears blue. He is blue, wears sunglasses, sports a red crest on his head and a spike <laughs> collar around his neck. We don't get to see a wow. picture of this dino. This is like early 90s. They, they, man, they missed a few years here. That is so rad. Oh, he's such a rebel. And then Next thing you know, he does, he's going to be doing hip-hop and rap. Yeah. Next is Dragon Shell. Have you ever wanted to raise a dragon? RPG players in Japan will get that chance when they plunge into Bahamut Lagoon from Squaresoft. One of the unique aspects of the Final Fantasy-based game is that players cultivate characters and raise them to new levels. In case of dragons, one of these ways is to increase du- is to increase experience is through diet. So it's like monster, whatever you feed the dragon, and he grows strong. I don't know if that's the insert we're looking at, because it looks like a mage is summoning a nuclear strike. <laughs> you think in Japan they'd be a little wary about that, but... Mm. And then we get to see a whale of a tail. If someone wants to ask you what the top-rated game scored by the evaluators at Nintendo was, you might think it was Super Mario World, Yoshi's Island, Donkey Kong, or The Legend of Zelda. Good guesses, but all wrong. Number one on the in-house charts is an RPG from Namco that was released in Japan, Tales of Fantasia. Oh, that's what we're looking at. Because mm. this definitely has a, a, a Tales element. It's like an RPG, but it's an action element that you can run around the screen while casting spells or doing attacks. Mm-hmm. In this one, it looks like, uh, oh, some guy's putting up a shield to defend from the missiles. Hmm. So it's, uh, the Tales games are very good in uh, in the ones that I've played. So this must be one of the Super Nintendo ones. Super. So, yeah, things are, go- look- things are looking good. I tried playing Bahamut Lagoon because that game did not get transferred. It had to get uh, translated over the internet. But uh, it seemed like uh, an interesting take because you get to name your guys and then you name your dragons and then you issue commands like uh, like tactics. Like there's a grid that shows up and you uh, you tell your enemy your, you tell your dragon to either come to you, wait where he is, or rush ahead of you into battle. And you can also do things tactically, I believe, like you can use an ice dragon to freeze a lake when there's no bridge, so you can cross over it. So, I'm looking forward to playing that game, and maybe I'll have something to say about it 
if they ever mention it as or that it's not coming. <laughs> Doubtful. Next is Breath of Fire 2. I love Breath of Fire. Breath of Fire 2, much better. It's is that all you to say about it? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. The we see end. in the, uh, the prologue, we get to meet our blue-haired hero standing in front of a dragon who... Uh, then you get to see your father telling you that you fought to protect Yua, your sister, because you fight a slime as a child to protect your baby sister. And... Then you fall asleep in front of the dragon, which is guarding your cave. And then when you wake up, the dragon is gone. No one remembers the dragon. No one remembers you or your sister. And your home has been replaced with a... Yeah, and your church has been... It looks the same, but it's now presided over by some guy who doesn't recognize you. So you meet a a kid who takes refuge in the church and you both decide, well, fuck this noise, I'm out. And you end up running through a cave to escape it. To escape the town, but then you find this thing moving in the darkness, and then when you finally meet it, it it's the tail of a huge demon which instantly butchers you. And then you wake up years later, like still plagued by that nightmare, to the point where you think it was a dream. But later on in the game you fight that same monster, and you realize, oh no, he really did demolish you as a kid. And you also find out why nobody in the town recognizes you. But in the uh, when the game itself begins, you begin in a town called Home, which which is hilarious because it's not even your birthplace. Like the translation on this was not good. It, it didn't impact the game, but it it fucked up and made some uh, very funny things. But this game is beautiful. The graphics, as you can see, are fantastic. The music is. Intense, like every time you're in a battle, you feel like this is this is your moment to shine and kick some ass, and you feel like an epic dude. And later on in the game, you gain a, a technique called fusion, where you get to uh, unite certain members of your party together to come up with uh, heroes that will either have like enhanced magic, enhanced physicality, or learn new techniques, as well as. Uh, Embracing your own dragon power. And there's that one there's one point in the game where you have to do in-person liposuction on someone who's been cursed with a fat virus. Like she's gotten so fat she can't leave the bed. So a wizard shrinks you down, you put yourself in her body like the fantastic voyage, and you end up fighting fat monsters. Sounds like my everyday life. <laughs> <clears throat> Look, uh, at a, and then, look at a slice of pizza and I'll have gained a pound. <laughs> and then there's another one where you have to uh, do a cook-off in a frog castle. So you end up going through the basement, <clears throat> pitching all these different things. Ah, uh, like yes. Worms, the capital flies. of Quebec. You prick. <laughs> no, actually, screw the French. I'm with you. So... <laughs> Oh, apparently, apparently in the syndicate, got rid of it entirely. So yeah, they didn't just separate, you know, economically and and nationally. They 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 they, they put booster rockets in the basements, and they just <laughs> took the fucking landmass with them. Yep, they sent it into the sun. <laughs> so in the frog castle, you beat like flies and worms and cockroaches to make a frog buffet. 
and then you get roped into being the taste tester, you end up barfing, and all the hard work you did was for nothing. So it's a it's a fun game, lots of comedy in it. It doesn't take itself serious at at times, although it does because it becomes clear that uh, there's this church which is taking power all over the world, and it actually is taking the power of people's faith in it to turn its priests into monsters. Hmm. It's like Santa Claus. Or Catholicism. <laughs> or specifically evangelicals. <laughs> I thought if you didn't believe in Santa Claus, you didn't get any gifts. You have to you have to power them with your with your beliefs. Yeah, it's just like fairies. If you don't believe in them, then they then they then they shrivel up and die in the forest. Mm, I see. So, and another cool mechanic is you get to create <clears throat> a town, and you can walk around tell, finding different people of different talents, and have them come to your town. So you can have it with blacksmiths of uh, varying qualities or uh, people who run item shops. So you can end up buying like some of the best weapons in the game in your own town. And if you play your cards right, it becomes a flying fucking fortress. Mm. Because apparently there's a flight generator in the basement. But it only works if you spare the life of a certain person, which, like, that's the cool thing about this game, is that there's a massive fork in it where you fight this guy who's hooked up to a machine. Now, he's the easier one to beat because he's just this withered, drained old man. And then if you beat him, the machine will break down and you can move on in the game. But if you do, if you take the hard road and destroy the machine and save the man, then he can hook himself up to the machine in your basement and make a, make your hometown a flying fortress. So it's an amazing game with a lot of... Like, the effects... Your choices have a profound effect in this game. And it's hilarious. It's emotional. It's just a well-told story, easy to play. I I loved it. I can't say enough good about it. Here, here. All right. Let's move on to the next section. They're talking about the Japanese release of Dragon Quest VI. <laughs> Which is the only release it got. <laughs> it never oh, got it, ported? It did get ported on the, uh, on the DS. And I okay. think on the PlayStation 2. Okay. Yeah, PlayStation 1 or 2 got the release, but not for the Super Nintendo. But I did take a play at it, and it turns out it's a game that I already played on the, uh, the DS. It's, it's a fun game. It starts off with you getting your, getting your ass kicked by well, a monster. They're not telling us a whole lot about the game. They're more telling us about um, how the, the Japanese release that millions of gamers are in a frenzy. Oh, yeah, and it's not a cheap game, too, because it costs about 11,400 yen, or $100 U.S. Yikes. For a fucking game. But it's a good game. I mean, look at the lineups they have. Uh, it says, it is estimated that, the, that Enix will sell between 3 and 4 million DQ6 game packs in the first few months of release, which will make it one of the hottest selling games ever. Uh, what makes it so special Japanese gamers... Several reasons. The story is a big part of it. A sweeping epic involving kingdoms, magic, and dragons. Uh, Dragon Quest series familiar to, to its audience because of many aspects of the world never seem to change, including many of the battle and play control conventions. It's kind of like coming home. 
Other players cite the musical score as an important factor and the challenge in raising your character's powerful heights of strength. And they expect all that and more. Yeah, because you, you can switch the... It's got a, a job system in which you can turn your characters to have traits of, I guess, healers, jesters, bards, merchants. Mm-hmm. And this course has got the artwork by Akira Toriyama, the uh, the man behind Chrono Trigger and Dragon Ball's wonderful appearance. And uh, we get to see some of the professions, like warrior, a swords expert, but can't use magic. Then a fighter who uses most armor and weapons. Then a dancer who learns many dance styles that can uh, wick away, wick, or wicka, like... Wicka, wicka. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it can uh, take away... A foe's HP. It's hard to read the black font over the uh, over the game background that they've put here. It is. And then a magician is a basic magic user, and a monk who is an expert of healing, and a thief who uses a uh, steel, and then beastmaster who can recruit foes to join your party, and then he himself can turn into a fucking dragon. So, and that's just some of the many things you can do. This game looks good. It has a casino, and the best part is is that. Like the casino can get you some of the some of the best weapons in the game, and if you're playing on an emulator, you never have to lose at the slot machines again. Nice. Okay, uh, and then it's got a small section giving you some more um, walkthroughs for Secret of Evermore. Oh man, that game is so good. I really wish that they bring that back. And then they get into the counselor's corner. And then we have uh, someone who looks a bit like she's dressed like Dracula, Jessica Jeffy, telling us about Yoshi's Island. Hmm? Yeah, it looks like, I don't know, like seeing all these blue cubes, it's like she's in like the, the Jeopardy studio. Oh, a little bit, yeah. And then we have uh, John Gower, who's really happy to be there, um, standing in front of what appears to be a series of underwater bubbles. It looks like he's in an octopus's garden. Yeah. He's telling us about Rise of the Phoenix. And then moving on, your game, Secret of Evermore, is brought to us by Jonathan Stein, who has... Whoa, whoa, whoa. You, you forgot something. There's this game, Rise of the Phoenix. I don't know if you've played it. It looks like one of those games I don't want to play. But one of the cool things you can do in the, third, in the second question is flooding a city. So why bother attacking a city when you can just redirect a river and then choose the flood command? Nice. <laughs> nice. Oh and, oh, and more secret of Evermore. Yep. Brought to us by a guy who he has a houndstooth style background of himself. Oh, is that what it is? That's disturbing. And he's uh, like his headphones make him look like he has massively gauged ears. <laughs> I don't know why that is due. <clears throat> and he's talking about Secret of Evermore, opening the gates in the pyramid, exploring Omnitopia's hallways, and reaching the tiny pyramid. Or reaching tiny in the pyramid. See, that's what I love about this game. If you uh, look, you can see the dog is a toaster in the sci-fi world, but in the uh, pyramid world, he's like an Anubis-type thing. <laughs> All right. And then for Donkey Kong Land, we have Dave Vidovich. Who just said, put me in front of a big magic eye. He said, 
please go murder Dave Coulier and give me all of his sweaters. And I will wear them for life. <laughs> and he did. I'm going to take his heart and cut it out. Yep. <laughs> all right. And now here's the game I didn't get a chance to play. It's Nestor's Funky Bowling for Virtual Boy. Remember Nestor? We sure don't. We haven't put him in a comic in about two years. Aw. So wait, we're now introduced not just to Nestor, but his twin sister, Hester. What? That's right. He's got a twin sister, so it basically looks like Nestor with a ponytail. If you look on page 75 in the middle there. She's got this look drawn on her face like she like she's there at gunpoint. Yeah, she does not look uh, happy to be there. <laughs> it's kind of like she's been told that she's going to get she's going to get the asset attack if she doesn't if she doesn't look like she's having fun and she's like, mm-hmm. "Are we happy now?" <laughs> so, they have uh, you can play two players in this game, which is kind of interesting for a virtual title. So, you have to take turns and alternate so imagine how well that's going to go with the virtual boy uh, mm-hmm. I guess you got to st- put it on a little stand and then take turns but of course the person who's waiting can't see what the hell's happening they can't watch how you're doing it, it doesn't make any sense you know I know if only they had an option where you could hook this up to the TV so someone gets a second screen right it's something at least you know be able to see like what's going on uh, so they have uh, different terms here depending on your score. So if you get below a 90, you get a gutter putter. If you get a score of 90 to 200, you're a pinhead. If you're a 200, 270, you're an alley cat. And if you're a 270, 300, you're a lane brain. Uh, okay. So they have different play controls that you can test out. Um, and then uh, I'm trying to figure out how this game is played exactly. Fun side of physics. So it actually looks like it's got decent graphics. It's got obviously got 3D of the of the bowling alley lane all the way down to the pins. Um, and you've got uh, Nestor or Hester, horrible name, um, in the front, which is a sprite, bowling for you. So it says where to begin, and it's telling you how to bowl, essentially, in real life. And then it's telling you how to get through a split, and you see an amusing animation of, I believe, Nestor in the air with his legs split apart on top of page 77. <laughs> it looks like he's being cast into the bowels of hell. <clears throat> yeah, he does so. not look happy. It looks like he's got a frown on. He looks like he's got like a, a pained look on his face. That's why they're both upset. They've been forced into a saw-like game where one of them is going to... Like, the floor is going to open up every time they miss. And only one person will be left standing. (laughs) Or they're being held captive by a wizard who will cast one of them to hell. (laughs) Nice. And I've already made this game more interesting than it has any right to be. Pretty much. It's a pretty basic um, bowling game. Um, and in practice, you can choose like different uh, bowling variations, you know, so you can practice how you're going. So just to give you an idea, some of the scores I got at the time. So from publications, 
It got uh, two stars out of five from Next Generation, two stars out of five from the Daily Gazette, and from Nintendo Life, they got seven out of ten, and from All Game, they got three and a half out of five stars. So some mixed results. Um, let's say the a, the eye pain was got. Uh, let's see here. They mentioned the eye pain in Virtual Boy in general. Challenging and fun at first, but became easy after a few games. That's what GamePro said. Uh, the graphics improved the game, and add, <clears throat> adding that they became repetitive over time. And let's see here. They do not show off the Virtual Boy's 3D capabilities. And uh, they said they questioned the value of video game based on such a repetitive sport as bowling. And of course, Nintendo Power praised it. And then did say the two-player mechanic was awkward. And, yeah. It does not have a save function or additional game modes. <laughs> so even if you did waste your time getting good at this game, you got this nothing is, to show for it. So even at the time, they were basically saying, yeah, this isn't enough for a full title. It's basically a mini game." And uh, I do like that they actually took Nestor and reused him in a game. He had his own game. So they decided to take a character that was created by Nintendo Power and was the personification of Howard Phillips as a child and put him into his own video game. What I would have liked to see is if they mixed, if they had a bunch of different sports like Nestor Party. Nestor Party? I think you're right. That would have made this game great if, like, it's obviously a mini game. So if they had like Nestor playing air hockey, or ping pong as well, against his sister, and you, if you, if the Virtual Boy had like a link function, where you could like play against each other, that would be fantastic. Mm -hmm. That would have made this thing, you know, it would have been like at least a good effort, a good use of it, or at least like not on the Virtual Boy at all. Yeah, you know, just take all that idea and put it on the Super Nintendo instead. Matter of fact, they should just take... You know it would be cool if they actually just had Nestor pop back up as like a extra character in Mario Kart or something these days, or Mario Party. Yeah, That'd they've be already kinda... got everything in there. Just bring them back. they got the Nintendo Power podcast. I mean, for fuck's sakes, they could have like mm-hmm. like a Nestor type... Like, a, like, Nest, like someone portraying Nestor as a character. Well, I remember in one of the uh, Mario Karts for, I think, Game Boy Advanced, um, one of the characters you could unlock was Rob the Robot to drive, huh. the, to drive the carts. So, not impossible. Is there a super move where he spins around and picks up one of the uh, carts that's behind him and turns them around? No. <laughs> yeah, well, fuck me, right? Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to the next game here. This is for Super NES Prehistoric Man. You didn't give me this game, did you? You said you played it. You said you thought you had played it. Yeah, and I stand by that statement. <laughs> so you haven't played it? No, I was playing the other games that you Jeez. gave me instead. <laughs> one game. You played one you, game. No, I played Dragon Warrior. You played it again? Well, yeah, I want to make sure what it was. Oh, I see. Like, there were so many Dragon Warriors, I, I didn't want to get the plots confused. Well, fair enough. Here's what it is. Prehistoric Man is another caveman game. Enough said. Yeah. You want to play Joe and oh, Mac minus Mac? But, but wait. He's got sunglasses and sneakers on. That makes him cool, dude. 
He is a radical hombre. Mm-hmm. The next game is a game called Artie Lightfoot, and it's made by... They're going through all the Titus games right now. So I didn't get a chance to play Artie Lightfoot that much, but I did watch a video review on it. Um, it's a pretty nice-looking platformer with a uh, animated character that they created for this game named Artie Lightfoot. And he has a little bird friend that um, runs around with him named Peck. And mm. so Artie's main form of attack is to throw Peck at people and, you know, smash them and whatever, right? That's his main form of attack. If Artie gets hit, he loses, um, like Peck goes away essentially. And if he gets hit one more time, he dies. So if you're just plain old Artie, you have to rely on an attack where you essentially have to jump on someone using like a, your tail that you have to like spin wildly. So obviously you don't have to do the controller, you just jump and press a button. Um, but it's a little hard to, I guess, um, target it just perfect. And so they talk about it a little bit here. With few exceptions, you must defeat most major enemies using Artie's tail jump attack. Uh, unfortunately, the game's play control shortcomings make these confrontations tough. So, from my little limited experience of playing the game myself, it seemed like a well-crafted platformer um, that had good music, good animation. It was challenging, but not so challenging that it was frustrating. Uh, it's generally well-received, and it's one of these like hidden gems, you know, where there's tons of like you know, mascotted uh, platformers coming out of the time. This is late in the Super NES life cycle. So it never got a sequel, hasn't lived beyond this. Um, but my understanding is a pretty decent game. Oh, yeah, these characters look great. Like we see an owl mm-hmm. pirate. He just looks cool. And then one other guy seems to be piloting a fucking building. Yeah, I don't know what's happening with that. That's interesting. And, uh, and on the next one, we've got SOS Sinker Swim, with a guy who looks like a like an anime Lego. Yeah, that guy's weird. So I didn't play this one, but I did watch a video about it. It's essentially like... So, basically, you are playing this guy that's coming into, essentially, a big cruise ship. And you're having to save every, everyone off the boat through a variety of levels. Uh, Everyone on the boat is a complete idiot and is basically a lemming and will just walk straight into whatever is in front of them. And that absolutely will mean certain death um, by falling off something or getting burned alive or drowning or getting smashed by something, right? So you as playing as this guy, um, you have to safely navigate them by hitting switches and activating different things to make sure they will clamp a ladder and make it to an exit hatch and safety. So it's sort of like lemmings, but instead of you being like controlling every little guy, you're, you know, you're controlling one main guy and opening up doors. So it's kind of like a cross between lemmings and like lost Vikings, I would say. Or Mario Mini Madness. Speaking of which, check out the bottom left of page 81, and it looks like you actually have Mario Minis. I don't know that game. <laughs> you never saw Mario vs. Donkey Kong Mario Mini Madness? 
There was like two. Um, there was like two games for the DS. Must have missed it. And it was basically like little mechanical mar- mechanical wind up Mario's go marching along, and you have to pilot them to get to a uh, a door. Sounds familiar. Anyway, if you look at the uh, the bottom of page eighty, oh page eighty three, then you'll see on the uh, like near the uh, middle of the page, like the middle of the magazine itself, it uh, looks like uh, you've got some mechanical Mario's there. Oh yeah, you're right. They kind of do look like Mario. <laughs> and next up is sports scene with a green golfer. Mm-hmm. Literally green in the face, like you're golfing with the jolly green giant. Mm-hmm. And that's all I want to say about golf. Some of these golf courses look like pickles. <laughs> hey, any, hey, listeners, if anyone out there is into sports games from the mid to late 90s, and you're interested in being our official sports scene correspondent, please reach out to us, playingwithpowerpodcast at gmail.com. We're also going to be skipping past an NBA Live 96 game where they've uh, scrunched up a horribly, uh, horrible aspect ratio of a basketball player and made it pixelated to the point where I want to vomit on the page. And at the bottom, I really thought I was looking at Steamboat Willie on the basketball court. Apparently, this game is for Game Boy, and I already you could tell you just need to avoid it. And the last game that we're going to skip over is FIFA Suffer 96, also for Game <laughs> FIFA Boy. Su- FIFA Suffer, indeed. Yes, FIFA Suffer 96 for Game Boy, and because it's for Game Boy, you also know to skip it entirely at this point. All right, now that we've breezed through the sports scene, let's move on to the Power Players Challenge, which is now called the Arena. And, they and, have... the, no- and the number one killer instinct is mm-hmm. a Canadian from Kitchener, Ontario, with a uh, top score of 1,062,800. All right. What does that yep. mean? What's uh, that number? How do you get... <laughs> there, there, there was a score in Killer Instinct? I had no idea. Man, that's the first I've heard of it. Interesting. So, we are now playing February of 1996 with Artie Lightfoot. What do you do when you find a piece of the rainbow? And it says, well, you get nice graphics and a good play control system. However, not much innovation, lots of repetition. So it looks like a simple, fun game. Mm-hmm. Jack Bros, Virtual Boy, which we already talked about last issue, says Race Against Time and Terror in Atlas's first Virtual Boy adventure. They say good graphics, the clock clock keeps things moving. More challenging than you might expect. Passwords. And they said poor text, fairies on Halloween, question mark? <laughs> what? <laughs> it's like a talking cat? Yeah. Mech Warrior 3050. Mech Warrior returns for an in-depth look into the future with a terrible screenshot which looks, which looks like two turrets facing off. And it says, cool theme, good control, password for saving progress. Very tough at first with a sharp learning curve. Mega Man X3. X marks, marks the spot for Mega Maniacs. Uh, plus, um, for positives, they said good graphics, play control, and lots of action fun. However... If you played one Mega Man game, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> you know, as far as negatives go, that's about the best you can give. Yep. 
It's like, it's a Mega Man game. If you didn't like Mega Man, you're not going to like this. If you did like Mega Man, it's more of the same. And you're right. going to fucking love it. And pretty much. NBA Live 96. Play with the best in the NBA on the road, but maybe not in your house. That's Game Boy. Ugh, lots of options. NBA logos and players. However, the Super Game Boy option performs poorly. No shit. NFL Quarterback Club 96 for Game Boy. Zounds! Where did the Quarterback Club go? They said, easy to learn, new teams. However, no Quarterback Club skill events. No Super Game Boy enhancements. Poor sound. What do we know about Nestor's funky bowl when Nestor finally sneaks into a real video game and it's a bowl? It says very solid bowling action, fun challenge, and practice modes. However, alternating play on Virtual Boy is awkward. Yeah, no shit. You should have thought about that when you made the fucking thing. Are we, are we ever going to make a two-player game for this? Yeah. Okay, how do we approach this? Like, are we going to do link cables or just have someone look at what we're doing on the TV? Because right. we got to find a way to involve the second player rather than have them play their own fucking Game Boy. <laughs> right. While well, I assume they'll be playing another better game while they're waiting to be have their turn on this shitty one. Yeah, I'm going to be playing NFL Quarterback Club '96 <laughs> while I'm waiting for my while I'm waiting for my turn to do some funky bowling. All right, P- uh, PGA European Tour for Super Nintendo. Challenge Europe's finest golf courses and tour pros. They said good graphics and interesting courses. However, poor putting. Prehistoric man, caveman Sam must save the world. I'd rather play serious Sam than caveman Sam. Good graphics, play control, lots of variety, great fun. Wow, maybe we should get into this then. There's just some good praise on it. Great fun, especially in particular stages where you have special abilities. Oh shit. However, the challenge isn't always very high, can be tedious at times, limited save feature. Well, you know, tedium isn't a problem on this podcast. I mean, come on, mm. we read magazines. True. And the limited save feature, uh, save states. Hello. And password isn't very high. Great, I can finish it quickly. <laughs> Sink or swim. Try to keep your head above water in this perplexing puzzler from Titus. Challenging, fun, however, infrequent passwords and lots of repetition. <sighs> Syndicate. Fuck this game. Power revisits the action and intrigue of the worldwide syndicate from Ocean. Both action and strategy required great music. Small character graphics, however, slow learning curve at times you can't even see your character. Difficult control. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Toy Story for Super Nintendo. To infinity and beyond, there's nothing like Toy Story. Beautiful graphics and variety of play, however, play control... Feels a bit loose. Hit detection is poor in places. No voices from the movie. You could have thrown that in there. I mean, you got great graphics. You could have given us some lines. Oh, we've got Pix- uh, on the live here. Everywhere, pixels. Mr. Guzman is asking. He says he's late. He says, hi, Mike. Did you redeem my name? <laughs> oh, shit. Yes. Turns out. Yeah. Well, well, I didn't want to name anybody, but he he got the message when we lost his patronage a while ago, and and I was just putting it out on blast to you know who you are, and apparently he he realized who he was, <laughs> but it, it turns out he just forgot to update his credit card. He still loves us, and in turn <laughs> we love him. Thank you, Peter. 
as as long as he remembers to update his card we love him yes (laughs) all right did you talk about x-man modem i'm sorry i cut you off no uh we're talking about the link up for the ultimate in two-player gaming on the Super Nintendo. It may be a departure for now playing to cover accessories, but the X-Band modem from Catapult is cool enough to warrant the coverage. Two-player games always involve more surprises and fun than single-player games. It says after the initial price of the unit, which is about $20, you'll have one month free use of the X-Band network for as many games. And then after that, there's two monthly plans. All you can stomach for $9.95 and a limited connection for $4.95, which includes 50 connects with anything over that costing an extra 15 cents each. So they charge you for every time you turn it on and use it. Yep. Wow. What a value. What a way to, what a way to nickel and dime somebody. Well, that's why it didn't take off. Yeah, even if you do play long distance, you can sign up with X-Band Nationwide, which lets you connect for $3.95 an hour. Motherfucker. More confusion exists about how the system really works, but it's simple. <laughs> you use it and we fuck you. <laughs> so, in summation, two-player competition at any time with some of the best games ever. However, it's easy to get hooked, but local play options helps. Yeah, alright, so the editor's picks, they apparently really loved Mega Man X3 and Prehistoric Man, so we need to go back and check that one out, apparently. And then, uh, the second one, that second best one they liked was Nestor's Funky Bowling. So there you go. Now we got some future games coming up. Mohawk and Headphone Jack. Mm, <laughs> the uh, the less popular version of Sam, the less popular brother of Samurai Jack. There's no way this game came out. I, this is not Mo, Mohawk and Headphone Jack. It's a guy with a... Oh my god, this guy has a mohawk that goes all the way down to his ass. He has a full back mohawk. This yep. is... Ugh, <clears throat> this game is painfully yellow to look at. It is ugly. No, and it looks I'm like wrong. They did release it. And it looks like it's trying to rip off Sonic in some levels, because you can turn your legs into wheels. Oh, wow. <sighs> and then Bound High, in which case you, uh, you, you, apparently, you apparently are the, the disembodied head of Ratchet, or Clank. Yeah, Clank <laughs> from Ratchet and Clank. Yeah, Clank. <laughs> and you... Uh, fly over this grid and I guess things explode the hell's happening there I know it's anarchy you can't tell if it's Tetris or Smash TV going on here yeah that looks very confusing and then Wayne Gretzky Hockey which doesn't even get screenshots we get to see pictures of Gretzky himself posing for what will uh, what will obviously be a faithful rendering on the red and black system what? No, it's for a new 64, the N64. Oh, shit. Well, it might actually look somewhat decent then. That explains why he's smiling and not actually going like, ugh. If it's the game I'm thinking of, I think it was pretty good. I actually think I actually played that game. Then College Slam with no pictures in it. Oh, yeah, we got some pictures at the bottom. Or is that NBA Jam? It all looks the same to me. Then mm. we have Cutthroat Island, which seems to be a... Uh, like Monkey Island mixed with Out of This World. Mm-hmm. Looks odd graphics. It looks like the pi- graphics from Pirates, Sid Meier's Pirates. 
a bit. Well, it's from Software Creations. And it looks kind of somewhat okay. And then we got the 96 Olympic sports. And eh, as long as it keeps Izzy out of it, it's at least worth looking at. And then Lobo. But uh, yes, it looks to be the, uh, the DC... The DC Bounty Hunter. Never got released. Ah, oh, bastard. I'm going to call right now. I think they I think they just recently released a uh, um, prototype online, though. Just do a little research here. Uh, yep, it was canceled. It was being developed by Ocean of America. It was due to be released in winter 1996 on both Super Nintendo and the Sega Genesis. That's no um, way to treat the main man. You can actually get the unreleased um, game online, though, the prototype. It's just kind of a crappy fighting game, though. So it's not like we missed out on a whole lot. <laughs> yeah, and it looks like you're not even fighting other DC heroes. So is this supposed to be yeah. like all the shitty all the shitty DC guys we don't know? Although I it guess. does look like he's fighting Brainiac in the... Uh... It tells you right here. Kringle, <laughs> Dox, Shada, Lou, and D-Nitro. Wherever the well, hell those people... Well, Remember those guys? Yeah, well, screw me. I mean, they brought out the heavy hitters for this one. I mean... All, all that Lobo lore that we that we know and love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we. All, I mean, I I vaguely know about Lobo as it is, and then they're going super deep into his lore. <laughs> on top of that, yeah, he's basically Deadpool and the Hulk combined. He's what Rob Zombie tried to be like. <laughs> and then we got more Toy Story, but this time it's on the Game Boy, so expect. Anything but an improvement. Mm-hmm. And then we got Smurfs, which are green instead of blue. So, mm. you know, great. Oh, and they announced Mission Impossible for the N64, which is horrible. <laughs> Mission, more like Mission Unpalatable. Am I right? And they talk about, uh, this is interesting, so you might not take this as much of a, a news, but um, they mention that... Um, Scottish developer DMA will open an American development office in Colorado, apparently likes the Highlands. So Scottish developer DMA becomes Rockstar Games, and they open Rockstar San Diego. Nice. Yeah, that's that's the game. They make uh, Body Harvest for the N64. Hmm. Did you ever play that game? Loved that game. It's GTA... Three before GTA Three was a thing. Huh. Another can, player's poll. What were we? What were we oh, there's an N64 thing. What is that about? Oh, what's this? Uh, further mention was made to the 64DD, the disk drive system for the N64. It was announced that the 64 megabyte magnetic RAM disk drive unit will fit beneath the Nintendo 64 console in stacked formation in an attempt to bid. To get back developers who have already fled the system in favor of cheaper CD-based systems. On the PlayStation. <clears throat> All right. And then for the Players Poll Contest, which is now apparently at the very end of the issue. Third prize. You can win Nintendo Power T-shirt. Be the talk of the toy chest in your power tee. Second prize. Five winners. Toys, toys, toys. Win $100 worth of Disney toys. And will he be your favorite? Win a 13-inch talking Buzz Lightyear action figure, complete with laser. 
and win Toy Story for your, for your Super NES. And then for the grand prize, go to infinity and beyond. Go behind the scenes at Disney Interactive where the Toy Story video game was created. Test unreleased games now in development and experience Disney's interactive virtual reality studio. Spend a day at Disneyland. Take home a pile of toys. Go on a $250 shopping spree at Disneyland gift shop and score Toy Story from Disney Interactive for your Super NES. Uh, and then Woody here, Major Buzzkill, is saying, Buzz can't really take you beyond infinity, but Nintendo Power could take you to Disney Interactive. <laughs> so typical hangout the office type of thing with some cash. Not the best award in the world, but if you've never been to Disneyland, then it's pretty special. All right, coming up next month, we've got the big game Super Mario RPG. <laughs> the sore spot with Mike. <laughs> Finally be able to hopefully address Mike's longstanding issues with this game. Uh, and uh, is it an action RPG or is it turn-based? It's a turn-based RPG. All right, screw it then. I'm not playing it. Oh, uh, you will fuck it. No, it's a turn-based with some action elements oh, in which God. if you do an attack, if you time the attack... You can do an extra attack for more damage. Sounds awful. I'll keep Just playing. I'll keep it's playing Breath, Breath of the Wild Turkey. Thank you very much. All right, <clears throat> and then we have Cutthroat Island, College Slam, and then 3D Tetris Virtual oh Boy coming out. God, next. that sounds like a headache. And I will be playing. Attempted to play that. It's tough playing the Virtual Boy games real because I have. You got to put them in the headset and all that kind of crap. So you're like, you know, putting your VR goggles on, essentially, and alienating yourself from your family and whoever else is around you. And then I have a Bluetooth controller got to keep plugged in. It's just a pain. But I'll try and do it. I'll try. <laughs> okay. Mike, what do you got, sir? You got, you got to be like that kid from Evangelion. I won't run away. <laughs> what do you got to plug, what? sir? I got the graveyard shift of the per, the the very well received graveyard shift because now we are on iTunes with ratings. We have enough ratings to show up on iTunes, and guess what? We are five stars. Congratulations! Thank you. We we have great guests. We watch horror movies. We talk about them, the good, the bad, and things that just make us say, "What the fuck?" And uh, you were on an episode. You had fun. I did. Yeah, and uh, this month of March, we are talking about George Romero's Dead series. We'll be watching the four movies he made in order. And uh, we'll be talking about like how we like these movies, how the, their impact on the genre was. But uh, we're going to try to do it in ways that you haven't already heard a bunch of horror fans already talk about. Mm -hmm. Like, if you've listened to this podcast, you know that I have a very interesting way of seeing things. <laughs> <laughs> that's saying it uniquely yes alright and if you'd like to find out uh, more more from me I have my own podcast as well I'm doing it on my own it's a short form podcast called Repeat One which is about um, songs you can play on loop and the music or music you can play on loop and the stories behind them sorry it's late I'm getting a little loopy here um, so you can look for that on Repeat One podbean.com check it out there and of course for playing with power you want to find out more about playing with power podcast you can go to playing with power podcast.com 
find links to our Facebook page where you can interact with us, um, to our Twitter account, YouTube account, iTunes, and of course, you want to support the show and help us pay for hosting, like our gracious guest here that is watching right now, Mr. Peter Guzman, feel free to d- go on there and uh, throw a few bucks our way. We really appreciate it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Ben. And I'm Mike. And now you're playing with power. Entertainment system. Now you're playing with 